Hi, I'm Carol Pelletier-Radford, and you're listening to the Teaching with Light podcast. On this podcast, I'll share encouraging lessons I've learned through a long career in education, and I'll interview other teachers and leaders so they can share their wisdom with all of us. This series of the podcast is titled, Listen to Inspiring Leaders. Each of the 10 episodes introduces you to a former classroom teacher who is now leading in a new way to support the education community. As I planned this podcast series, I reached out to the leaders who have most inspired me. After scheduling all 10 interviews, I realized that all 10 of these leaders were women. And so this unplanned program development reminds us that there are many inspiring women leaders who are influencing public policy and education practices. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. Welcome to Episode 2 of the Inspiring Women Leaders series. Our podcast title for today is Bloom Where You're Planted. As teachers, we have our own roles and responsibilities in the classroom. We were hired to teach students. That is our primary role. But what happens when a teacher wants to be a leader and contribute to the school in another way? How are teacher leaders embraced in schools and how can they bloom in an environment that is usually organized from top-down administration? So how can teachers share their wisdom and influence the school community? Well, to me, bloom where you're planted means we can contribute to the school, the district, and even the state from the classroom. Teacher leaders offer wisdom, expertise, and practical advice for solving problems within our schools. I always say, when you don't know how to resolve an issue in a school, ask a teacher. Now, teacher leadership comes in many forms, and my interest in the topic started when I was a cooperating teacher for a student teacher in my own school. I was teaching fifth grade at the time. After that experience of hosting a student teacher, I was inspired to organize a program where all the cooperating teachers at my school would be prepared and supported to take on that important role. So I wrote a handbook, which was later published into a book that was titled Techniques and Strategies for Coaching Student Teachers. I was still in the classroom. In some ways, my story of leader teacher leadership happened by accident because I was hosting a student teacher. And I was asking myself the question, what's missing? How can, what can I do to support the teaching profession? And this goes beyond the students in, that are sitting in front of us. Well, this is what our guest did. When she asked herself how could she support teachers in our profession to be leaders, she was intentionally thinking about how teachers could gain confidence and to share their wisdom and to bloom in their own schools without having to leave the classroom. I am here today with Ellen Metcalf, and Ellen and I were introduced through one of my mentoring and action online mentors, Janet Fitzgerald. Now, Janet knew me and she knew Ellen, and she thought 
if we got together, I might be able to share some ideas for a conference that Ellen was putting together. I enthusiastically supported Ellen's vision for teacher leadership. And I intend, attended all three of her conferences. And we check in from time to time, uh, just catching up. And I just enjoy her creative energy and her ideas. So how does teacher leadership survive and thrive in schools? How can leaders create a culture of sharing where teachers can share their ideas and expertise and help solve these problems? Well, that's what we're going to learn about today as we listen to Ellen's journey of creating the Total Teacher Project and how this project and the development of this project helped Ellen to discover her own leadership potential as well. Welcome, Ellen. Thanks so much, Carol. Glad to be here. I'm so glad you're here. And um, this is a podcast for women leaders, but this is also, I've uh, asked that these leaders have had to be former classroom teachers. So you were a former classroom teacher. Uh, could you share with our audience a bit about your journey into teaching? Why did you decide as a career changer to go to teaching? And how long you taught? Give us, give us all the nitty gritty of your teaching journey. All right, great. So I, I always like to say I actually graduated high school in 1983, which was really when Title IX had passed and women had as many opportunities as men really in, in society and the military academies had just started to accept women. And I come from a family of teachers. I really wanted to be a teacher, but folks kept saying to me, come on, you have so many opportunities. Why don't you choose something different? So although it was always in my heart to be a teacher, I went down the path to go to the United States Coast Guard Academy. And interestingly, the, the four years of the academy, the seven years on active duty, and even my time in the reserves, what I was always drawn to was helping others to reach their full potential. And eventually, I was able to go back to school, get my teaching certificate, and, um, and I started teaching really, um, I was 40 years old when I started teaching. And I taught, um, I taught for 10 years, and I taught in Seekonk, uh, Massachusetts, and I taught middle school science. And they were um, 10 of the best years of my life. I love teaching. And so what um, made you, how did you make that decision from leaving the Coast Guard and doing that? Where did you go to school? Did you do, you were a career changer, a classic oh. career changer. Tell us a little bit about that detail and that transition time when you had to choose and your your friends went oh she still did go into teaching we tried to keep her out of it <laughs> <laughs> so interestingly as a lieutenant my last job on active duty in the coast guard i was on the faculty at the coast guard academy teaching leadership and as you might imagine i loved every minute of it but at the time, this is the mid-90s, we wanted to have more children. My husband was active duty, and we just felt it was a big strain on our family for both of us to continue in these careers in the Coast Guard. So once I chose to resign my active duty commission and spend time at home with our kids, I had an opportunity to go to UMass Boston and pursue a master's in um, education and to get certified. I got certified in elementary education. It just, it felt right. And I, I went at night. I loved all the people I 
uh, took the courses with. I love my student teaching, but interestingly enough, I graduated in 98 and I had my third baby and then I stayed home again. I didn't get back into substitute. The first time I substitute taught was um, the fall of 2004. So it was a long journey for me to finally start teaching. And I subbed for a couple of years and then was able to move into a full-time position. So your question, I just, in my heart, I knew I always wanted to teach. I think I would never have felt complete if I didn't have this opportunity to be a classroom teacher. And it's so interesting because episode one of this uh, series is follow your heart. (laughs) And you are building right on that episode that many of us uh, either know we're right out of the gate supposed to be teachers and we do it, or you have a, uh, a, a roundabout way and you found your way back into the classroom. And you were teaching in the Coast Guard. You were on faculty too, so you're led to that. So you have two other transitions. You have this transition to teacher leadership at your school where you started to think, now you're a career changer. This is something that a lot of career changers share with me, that they go into a school and even though they're a first year teacher, you have all this life experience Mm -hmm. and you can contribute more, but sometimes the administration or other colleagues still see you as a first year teacher. So how how was that a little bit of a dilemma for you as a career changer, having that experience, but maybe not being able to step into leadership? What was that like at the school? Carol, that is such a great question. And it's um, not really on the script, but I love the question. (laughs) It was interesting because someone once said to me that the culture of the teaching profession, we don't really care for these career changers because it's almost like you didn't want to be a teacher when you were 22, but now all of a sudden you want to be. And for those that chose the profession at 22, I'm gonna share you, just as you described it, you feel a little bit like an outsider and you're supposed Mm -hmm. to pay your dues. So I, I would share with you, yeah, that is the way the profession felt. But that being said, I felt, at the time when I first came into the profession, I still had, I had three kids. I was still doing the Coast Guard Reserves and it was so much work to be a good classroom teacher. So I would share from my first several years in the profession, I felt like I, I was not seeking leadership opportunities and I probably wasn't looking um, to move into spaces to influence my school or district. I was really focusing on I'm sharpening my practice as a classroom teacher. And that is the number one, as I said in my opening message. That's what we're hired to do. That's what we're uh, planning to do. But then when you look around at the context of schools, teachers after five, six, ten years, they get their skills under their belt and they're looking for something else. And that, that led you to... Uh, designing this very innovative conference, the uh, Total Teacher Project. And I know the conference is on pause right now, but tell, tell me what made you decide to do a conference on teacher leadership? Where did the seed come from? So here's where the seed came from. I had this background in leader development for my time in the Coast Guard. And it, it was as much as I my heart is drawn to teaching this leader development because it's all about reaching your full potential. 
I was always drawn to that. So I continued to read and, and be engaged in that work as well. And I had an opportunity to go to a women's leadership boot camp down in Virginia. And this was probably in the spring of 2015. And when I went down there, I was in a room. I actually, my assistant principal went down with me too, but I, we were in a room with probably 50 other women who were all in business or industry and they were mid to senior level managers. And it was just a thrill to be down there. It was something different. But where my light bulb moment occurred was these managers were asking these types of questions. How do I motivate my employees? How do I hold them accountable to standards? How do I make them be better team players? How can I coach them to improve their performance? And as I'm hearing all these questions, I was thinking, this is what I do every day in my classroom, but nobody calls it leadership. We call it classroom management. And for me, it was like, wow, how come we don't call classroom teachers leaders? It, it was like, if you're a leader, then you had to go outside the classroom. Right. That's true. I love that you are uh, making that key point because you actually don't have to do, as I said earlier, something outside, but you can. You're but you learning can. the skill, but you're yeah. learning the skills inside with students. You're just changing your audience to your colleagues. <laughs> yes. And this was at the same time where, you know, we were, it was kind of like a federal initiative, but a lot of the districts were creating all new teacher evaluation systems. And they were, I think, I mean, there were a lot of performance dimensions on these new evaluations. And when I looked through them, most of them required leadership skills to execute. And we know, you know, most of our PD is always around teaching and um, practicing. Well, curriculum, right. Exactly. It's more curriculum based. Yes. So then I would also add at the same time, this was in, you know, um, again, around 2015, there was a lot of federal money and grant money focused on teacher leadership. But it was, again, let's stay in the classroom teachers because we know who are the experts to influence this profession. But let's hear you. And I just had the greatest fortune to be able to be a part of the Teach Plus NEA Fellowship for a year, as well as um, this concept or this idea about creating a conference or a summit for teacher leaders, I was able to send that to the National Department of Education and their Teach to Lead program. And the concept was selected and I was able to take a team from my school to Boston for the weekend where we kind of incubated the idea and worked with mentors to help us think through how could we run a summit where we could provide, you know, workshops and training for teachers to develop their leadership skills. And I loved it. I attended all of your summits and uh, just share with the audience a little bit so they have an idea because I found your conference summit uh, different uh, in many ways. And I wasn't I attended as a teacher leader myself. At that point, I had my own mentoring in action business, but I wanted, and I brought people. I funded some people to come and you were gracious to um, support cohorts. But tell, I love the speakers. So tell the audience about the speakers that you chose and uh, the sessions and the breakout and the vision for this. Okay, great. Thank you. So I think the biggest thing was the vision. So I, I shared how we went up to this really fabulous conference, the Teach League Conference in Boston. 
and great energy. But when I came back from that, I realized, well, this is all terrific, but there's still no money to do anything like this. And no, no district can hire anyone to do this kind of work. And that's when I had this idea of, but you know what? Private companies have a lot of money. Yes, and they, do. they need students. They want to hire students. They want to hire young people that have been influenced by teacher leaders because that's what we're doing in those classrooms. We are so touching the future. And, you know, why wouldn't big companies want to invest in teacher development so that they're becoming their best selves? And that's just going to pay it forward to the students that are in their classroom. So the first thing we did, we put together a board of directors, but we realized we need, what we did is we asked for donations. And, you know, Herb Chambers became one of our biggest donors so that we could run an event where we had, you know, um, wonderful lunches and we were able to give, you know, some nice giveaways and we were able to, all of our speakers who came in, we didn't, we didn't um, give them any money because we felt they should be sharing their talents with teachers. Who better do you want to develop right. in, in, in our partnerships? Yes, yes. Yes. So that was, that was the vision behind this was let's grow teachers as leaders and let's get the experts in the leader development field to donate their time and talent to teachers. So there were in, in but the big leap, that I, I'm going to say I made, and this was my right. background and leadership, was there were some people who thought, oh, how could someone in business, like our um, Courtney Lynch's company. Yes, I loved, she, well, Lee, her leadership company, yes, she was yes. in business, yes. Lead star. You so lead, people, yes. People say, how could a company that does training for the military and business come and know how to connect with teachers? And that was, I think, maybe, um, Carol, the difference was that because I had been on this military side, I understood leader development is neutral. It's about as far as what your profession is, because what's it, what it, what's it about is the right. person. Right. So, so I did, we weren't hiring speakers that necessarily were connected to teachers they were just connected to helping people become their best self yes yes and I think that's what was so inspiring about the conference is you had these leaders from other professions and you also brought in the self-care and you brought in teachers to speak yes so you had a combination it wasn't just all outside of education MBA people talking it was um really people who donated their time and were passionate about supporting teachers. It was so refreshing. I, I really loved it. Great. Yeah. What did the teachers say in their evaluations? I know that you, you did, um, did do evaluations and, or just the feel in the room from the teachers who attended these conferences. So thank Thank you for asking that. And, and again, this is connected to um, part of, you know, being a leader is creating that space where there will be, you know, I'm not going to say constructive feedback. Right? Yes, of course. So, um, so what I would share with you is I think the energy was always great. I think the feedback was always this was a, a day well spent. We did, you know, it's funny that you bring that up because, you know, there were some teachers that wanted to hear more from teachers. There were some teachers who wanted to hear more from 
our leader development experts. There were some teachers that wanted to spend more time in small groups. There were others that liked the fact we spent more time in, in the big room. We conducted all these up at Bryant University. And I'm, on a, I'm digressing here for a minute, but it was a beautiful setting where we did this. And again, Bryant University donated that space to us because they were committed to teacher leadership. So the, so the feedback, I, I'm going to say, and, and I think, you know, people, we, we always had 100, over 100 yeah. participants sign up. So I would say that in each year, more and more people came and we would always get um, folks asking, when is the summit going to be? We're all looking forward to it. Um, so I would say overall, the feedback was very positive. And um, can I, I'm just going to share yes. a little anecdote right now. Yes, please. Okay. Yes. I, had, I had a great thing happen this summer. So um, I was with a friend down in Connecticut. And when we solicited, you know, we would send, uh, we had folks from New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island were really where we drew from to have the teachers come in. So I was on a beach with a friend in Connecticut. And I, she introduced me to a friend of hers and she looked at me, she said, Ellen Metcalf from the Total Teacher Project. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and I said, yes. And she said, I went to your conference at Bryant University. And, oh. gonna, and then the next thing she said was, it changed my life. <gasps> I have goosebumps. Yes. Oh, and I love I, it. just for folks listening, I didn't hear that a lot. I really didn't. So she said, I had never, re you know, you made me feel so important that being a teacher, I could influence change in my school and in my district. And she said, after that conference, and that conference, we actually had some members of Arnie Duncan's staff from the National Department of Ed. Remember, we had Maddie. Yes, there. yes. We had Alan there from National Teacher of the Year. And she said, I, I went and got my master's degree in teacher leadership after your conference. It was such an inspiration. And one more thing I'll share with you is she said, but when I, I stayed in my same school and I could tell my principal was not interested in my new role and my enthusiasm. So she said, in the past year, I shifted to a new school district. I'm in a new school and I'm doing all the things I wanted to do with this master's in teacher leadership. Oh my God, I love that. So see, you're the catalyst, Alan, the conference, but see how you're telling this story and it's influencing all of the people that showed up. And just like when you were teaching, you don't know how you influence the students. They come back to you many years later and it, it does influence them. And this is such an important... I know the conference is on pause because of your um, new role with the Leadership Academy at the, in the Coast Guard, but I want the listeners to listen carefully. If you have, uh, you're hearing this and you want to replicate a conference like this, I know you can reach out to me or Ellen and we would coach you because it does make a difference to support teacher leadership. and. Do you have, are you still collaborating with teachers at all, Ellen? I, I absolutely am. Um, so the uh, teacher collaborative out of Boston, I still attend their events. And um, we have a mindfulness expert out of um, New York City. And we did last spring when the pandemic first hit, we offered some online mindfulness sessions for teachers where we connected again last spring. So I, I'm still, um, you know, we are just on pause. 
And uh, you said if people were interested, I, I would so love to support any teacher who would want to, you know, run any kind of a workshop around teacher leadership. So, um, so we'll, we'll share your, um, your contact information at the end. But I want to go back to, for our audience uh, who are thinking about themselves possibly as a leader, even at their school, or maybe not as big as our whole conference, but what strengths emerged for you, Ellen, that you recognized as you started to do this work in schools and develop this project? What, what would you say two or three strengths uh, emerge for you so a strength and you know what's funny is you don't realize you have these strengths because you think everyone thinks this way but what I've learned I learned this when we built the total teacher project in the past few years in this current job is my mind does think at a strategic level I'm able to think through what's happening at various levels and then kind of operationalize it and then figure out what are the tactics that would be needed to execute this program. And I really love doing work like that. And, and that kind of work is very different from coming in every day and teaching a lesson. Um, so, so I, and I, I didn't know that because again, I, you know, when I started teaching, I had only been an active duty Coast Guard officer for seven years and then I was at home for 12 years with my family, went into this classroom environment, and I knew I loved teaching, but I, I knew I, I was feeling restricted. So I would share with you, that's one of my talents and a kind of, now that I understand that more about myself, I can see why I was so looking for other opportunities outside the classroom. Right. And, and that's the skill set that we're, both you and I are trying to make other teachers and administrative leaders understand to look at their own strengths and talents, that mm -hmm. it's important that we, we just poo-poo them sometimes. We don't think about that because when you created your leadership team for the conference and in your life and in your work now, we bring in other people who have different strengths and that makes all of us <laughs> stronger, but we have to know what ours are before we move on. Can you just say a bit about your current role? You did leave the classroom because you were enticed back into the Coast Guard. Yeah. 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 So, so what are you doing now and how did they get you back? <laughs> what I'm doing now, how did they get me back? I, you know, I, I'm, I really am proud of being a public servant and I, you know, I joined the Coast Guard. I started the Coast Guard Academy when I was still 17, when I started there as a freshman at the Academy and, and even being a teacher, I felt I was a public servant. And, and the idea of going down to the academy, I'll share with you, was really to get smart again on leader development. What were the current trends? What are the models? What are the theories? What could I bring back to the teaching profession? So I'm still holding out that that's the direction I will go in. But what I do down there that I absolutely love is we've spent the last several years, three, the last three years, we have, it's a 200 week leader development program. While the cadets are uh, going to school to earn their bachelor's degree, they also um, engage in nine experiential leader development programs over the course of the four years. And believe it or not, we never had curriculum for those nine programs. We never had a consistent way to evaluate and we never had a consistent way to assess did the cadets get what they were supposed to get out of that experience? Nor did we have um, any type of standardized training for the facilitators of those programs. 
So I'll share with you, that's what we've been building for the past three years down there. And, and I, I've really loved it because it's, it's my, it's absolutely my educator background that has, that brought me uh, to be able to do what we've done down there. Right. The combination, because you had the, the history as a, as a cadet, then you teach for 10 years, you get this master's, you do a total teacher project conference, and now you're contributing in, in another way to help that academy be stronger in their leadership development. So the title of the podcast is um, Bloom Where You're Planted. And you've been planted a couple of different places. So what, what does this mantra mean to you? Bloom Where You're Planted. So I, uh, it's, and it's a mantra that I use, but I think what it, what it mostly means to me is, um, you have to know yourself and know what you love to do. And um, I know I love teaching. I love mentoring. I like supporting other people to, to, to reach their full potential. You can do that in a lot of different places. And, you know, for me, when I was in the Coast Guard as a young lieutenant, even though I had a lot of operational duties, I spent a lot of time taking care of the people around me, making sure they were going back to school, making sure that they were getting advanced, providing support and mentoring. I felt like I bloomed where I was planted there. And then when I became a classroom teacher, again, so much work to become a strong teacher. No one understands how much work it is to be a strong classroom teacher. So that was a big focus. But then, you know, and we're, of course, every day in the classroom you are making sure every student becomes, you know, or reaches their full potential. But then when I needed more, I found opportunities to do that, whether it was with Teach to Plus, Teach Plus, or with the um, Teach to Lead program, and then eventually with the Total Teacher Project. And I would share that now down at the Coast Guard Academy, I don't get to teach, but this summer I, I taught 16 different lessons to our freshman class. I loved every minute See, of it. See, you're getting the bug again. I can hear that in your yeah. voice. It sounds like there might be another bloom where you're planted transition <laughs> coming, uh-huh. coming up for you. Um, so here's the last word. What advice or inspirational words or comment message do you have for teachers who are listening uh, that might want to become teacher leaders because so much of your work was about teacher leadership beyond the classroom in that total teacher project lens. What advice do you have for them? Great. That's a wonderful question. I think that the first thing I want to help every teacher to see is that when you walk into that classroom every day, you are leading. And we, we subscribe to Kuzes and Posner is a, a really well-known leadership book. They talk about their five practices of exemplary leaders. And um, every day you inspire a shared vision. You enable others to act. You encourage the heart. You also um, model the way. Like we know as teachers, you have to show up the way you have been asking the, the students to show up. So you are a teacher leader. I I just want to make that point. I think the area though that will maybe push you into maybe a little bit of not your comfort zone is when you challenge the process. And that for me is what it means to be a leader is that when you see an opportunity where things can be improved to have the courage to move into that space, they call the Kuzas and Posner call it challenge the process. So I guess what I would ask, um, 
teachers, because I, I really believe we're going to change the education system from the inside out and having the courage to challenge the process, but recognize you have those leadership skills because you're developing them every day with the students. You're just gonna be using them perhaps with your colleagues in your district with parents, but have the courage to step out and, and challenge the process because that's for me what it means to be a teacher leader. I love that. Thank you so much, Ellen, for sharing your journey and the insights that you've gained by being a teacher leader. Um, I believe this is a really important topic for all of us today, as we are all looking for practical wisdom, creativity, and new visions for recreating our educational system. I like to end each podcast with an affirmation, and the affirmation for this episode is, I use my strengths to thrive. I want to thank all our listeners for being with us today. I hope our conversation has inspired you and given you some ways to think about how you can support teacher leaders or become one yourself. Uh, Thank you all for joining us. Ellen, thank you for spending so much time with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I enjoyed it as well. Thanks so much, Carol. And thank you for all you do for teachers and the profession. Thank you for listening to the Teaching with Light podcast. For more wisdom and inspiration, you can purchase the Teaching with Light book at corwin.com forward slash teaching with light. That's corwin.com forward slash teaching with light.